0: Hello, I am Siddharth and you are listening to me on Studygical. Today we are going to discuss the Preamble to the Constitution of India. First of all, let us know what you mean by Preamble. Preamble to an Act sets out the main objectives which the legislation intended to achieve. It is a sort of introduction to the statute and many a times very helpful in understanding the policy and legislative intent. It expresses what we had thought or dreamt for so long. The Constitution makers gave to the preamble the place of pride. It embodies in a solemn form all the ideals and aspirations for which the country has struggled during the British regime. In Ray Beruwari case, the Supreme Court has said that the preamble to the Constitution is a key to open the mind of makers and shows the general purpose for which they made the several provisions in the Constitution. The preamble declares, it says, we the people of India having solemnly resolved to constitute India into a sovereign, socialist, secular, democratic republic and to secure to all its citizens justice, social, economical and political, liberty of thought, expression, belief, faith and worship, equality of status and of opportunity and to promote among them all, fraternity assuring the dignity of individual and the unity and integrity of the nation. In our Constituent Assembly, this 26th day of November 1949, do hereby adopt, enact and give to ourselves this Constitution and how far it is useful in interpreting the Constitution. The preamble is the key to open the mind of the makers. But it does not mean that the preamble can override the express provision of the Act. In Ray Beruari's case, the Supreme Court had held that the preamble was not the part of the Constitution, and therefore it could never be regarded as source of any substantive powers. Such powers are expressly granted in the body of the Constitution. What is true about powers is equally true about the prohibitions. It has limited application and can be resorted to where there is any ambiguity in the statute. If the terms used in constitutions are ambiguous or capable of two meanings in interpreting them, some assistance may be taken from the objectives enshrined in the constitution and a construction which fits the preamble may be preferred. But again, in the Keshwananda Bharati case, the Supreme Court rejected the above view and held that the preamble is the part of the constitution. Though in ordinary statute, not much importance is given to the preamble, but all importance has to be attached to the preamble in a constitutional statute. Justice Sikri observed that no authority has been referred before us to establish the proposition that what is true about the power is equally true about prohibitions and limitation. Even from the preamble limitations have been derived in some cases. It seems to me that the preamble of our constitution is of extreme importance and the constitution should be read and interpreted in the light of the grand and noble vision expressed in the preamble. Now, in fact, the preamble was relied on in imposing implied limitations on the amending power of the Parliament under Article 368 of the Constitution. In that case, it was held that basic element in the preamble cannot be amended under Article 368. In yet another case, in Randhir Singh vs Union of India, the Supreme Court relying on the preamble in article 14 and 16 held that article 39 subclause A and a constitutional right of equal pay for equal work for both men and women. So all these cases in the description underlines the importance of preamble and how far it has been. We will now illustrate upon different words mentioned in the constitution. The preamble of the Constitution of India declares India to be a sovereign, socialist, secular, democratic republic. Sovereign power is that which is absolute and uncontrolled. A state is sovereign where there resides within itself a supreme and absolute power acknowledging no superior. The word sovereign emphasizes that India is no more dependent upon any outside authority. India is a republic because the political sovereignty vests in the people and the head of the state is only a person elected by the people for a fixed term. In our constitution, there is a president who is the head of the executive and who is elected as a post to hereditary monarch and holds office for a fixed term of 5 years. In democratic term, as indicated in the constitution, it establishes a form of government which gets its authority from the will of the people. The rulers are elected by the people and are responsible to them. The democratic setup can be of two types direct and indirect. In a direct democracy, the legal and political sovereignty vest in the people, as in the case of Switzerland. In the indirect system of democracy, it is the representatives of the people who exercise the power of legal as well as political sovereignty. The electorate choose their representatives who carry on the government. It is for this reason that this type of democracy is called as representative democracy. In the Indian constitution, we have adopted indirect or representative system of democracy. All the adults above the age of 18 years have a right to vote. The next word is Socialism. Socialism is implicit in the preamble and the directive principles of state policy in the constitution. The term economic justice in the preamble denotes nothing but India's resolve to bring socio-economic resolution. The word socialism, however, has no definite meaning. It has been invariably used in both types of constitution, that is, democratic constitution and communistic constitution. Generally, the term implies a system of government in which the means of production is wholly or partly controlled by the state. India's socialism is, however, a democratic socialism and not a communistic socialism. For this purpose, the preamble has combined both the words, that is, socialism and democracy, in the preamble. This combination of words, socialism and democracy, has been criticized by many writers. It has been said that democracy and socialism cannot coexist. This criticism is, however, not justified in the view of gradual change in the thinking of modern socialists. Their thinking is in line with the idea of welfare state. In DS Nakara v. Union of India, the Supreme Court has held that the basic framework of socialism is to provide a decent standard of life. To the working people and specially provides security from cradle to grave. This, amongst others, on the on the economic side envisaged economic equality and equitable distribution of income. This is a blend of Marxism and Gandhism, leading to heavily leaned towards Gandhian socialism. This is the type of socialism which we wish to establish in our country. The next word is integrity. The word integrity is intended to put an end to the separatist tendencies and make people feel that every part of India is their home. This concept was already implicit in the nature of the federation envisaged by the Indian Constitution. The framers have used the words like India shall be the Union of States in the Article 1 of the Constitution of India with a view to make it clear that states have no right to cessate from the Federation. The next word is secularism. Secularism means State, which does not recognize any religion as a state religion. It treats all religions equally. The concept of secularism was already implicit in the constitution. Articles 25 to 28 of the constitution guarantee to the people the freedom of conscience and the right to profess, practice and propagate religion. In S.R. Bumai case, the Supreme Court has held that secularism is the basic feature of the Constitution. In Arana Roy case, the Supreme Court has held that secularism has a positive meaning that is developing understanding and respect towards different religion. So this was all about preamble which is necessary to develop a conceptual and basic understanding about it. Thank you for listening.